part of the Press Play Podcast Network. Hey, hey, hey. Just going straight fat Albert on the intro today? <sighs> wow. Have to call me fat or Albert. I mean, that's what you did. I don't. Hey, hey, hey! Let's talk about sports cards. This is the Ball Car Show, the sports podcast for the sports collector. My name is Jason Otero. I'm Gary Lamaster, and as always, we are brought to you by the Press Play Podcast Network. That was a beautiful introduction. I wasn't ready for it. I caught, I'm glad I caught you pointing well, at me out of the corner of my eye. I, your fat Albert material had already run its course, so I just didn't feel like it was worth. I continuing. just realized. That you have a child's play keyboard, basically. Oh, no. This is like some type of uh, really cool thing that my son knows about. I don't. This thing weighs more than like a, a paperweight. It is basically four inches by four inches. It's the tiniest keyboard I've ever seen in my life. It also has random colors and lighting in it. I don't like it. It's oh, my weird. God. You it's should be a narrator. Out. That was great. It's weirding me out. Yeah, that was great. They, did, they should have done that in the Morgan Freeman voice. It is four by four, <laughs> and there are colors on it, and it looks like weird. You're going to get us canceled if you're not for careful. For all of those listeners at home, um, that was Gary uh, doing his best to paint you a sunset with words. <laughs> um, what can I say? I'm an eloquent man. You are something. Uh, let's jump in. It happened. What? <laughs> What, what what happened? Jeff Wilson's dream has become oh, a reality. Cards it's... HQ in Atlanta is live. It has launched, and there was a live feed for everyone to see what was happening at the mecca of the LCS world. The great uh, lesson to be learned from that live feed was that nothing was happening. It, it appeared as if probably eight to ten customers were in the place the entire day. Uh, it is just a massive space that was very empty. It reminded me of when, during COVID, they started opening public events again, but people still had the option of not going to the public work event. They could stream online. Yeah. And then they would watch the video. Oh, thank God it didn't go in. There's only four people there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was very much like that. And I, it was interesting. Somebody was kind of running some numbers on overhead and and ROI on this endeavor. And uh, our boy, Jeff, sunk about $3 million into opening this place. That's his words, not ours. So about $3 million to open this place, assuming that he can carry a gross margin of 25%. He's probably looking at a five- to eight-year window before he gets his $3 million back. Um, I. I think this is a dumpster fire. It's going to be bad. This guy obviously hasn't spent too much time in very many card shops because the vast majority of card shops are 1,000 to 1,500 square feet. And five out of the seven days of the week, they have about three or four people come in. And then one or two days a week, it gets pretty hopping. And I think that's what's going to happen with Cards HQ. I think on Saturdays and Sundays that they'll be reasonably busy, and the rest of the time they will not be. And that works for somebody whose overhead is, you know, three, four, five thousand $5,000 a month. It doesn't work when your overhead is fifty, sixty, seventy thousand $70,000 a month. Just doesn't work. Yeah, um... The information is not just coming from us recording in our studio, a.k.a. basement. Not our basement. Oh, God. 
uh, <laughs> in a basement. Uh, but for I'm not sure which have, is creepier. But for people that have done this before and run local stores, shops, and the math is a little scary. Uh, I misunderstood the whole point of all these breaking studios inside of the facility. Um, I thought this was like a rental space for people who are breaking but don't have the equipment, but they want to make sure that they check all the boxes for maybe like Fanatics Live or this is an up-and-coming you know community or group that they're wanting to have a facility to break in. People could use the space. No. This is a place for people to buy product off the shelf and then to broadcast it, I guess online, but also in the space for people to watch what they get. Cool experience. I don't know if I would finish out five studios for that. I don't know how many they put no, in. No, and I think that eventually Cards HQ themselves are going to try to do breaks uh, direct like this rather than through Fanatics or anywhere else. But in general... It definitely appears that this is going to be something that, much like literally everything else in this hobby that Jeff Wilson has touched, just turns to a pile of shit. Whoa. What is he? What has he touched or advised people to do that has turned out well? I don't know about that, but he's made a good amount of money off of YouTube. and Yes, but I'm talking about the things in this hobby that he has touched and tried to tell other people to touch. How has that turned out? I'm for sure those there's been people? one or two. That there has <laughs> not. He pumped MetaZoo. He pumped, which went out of business this week. He pumped Dibs, which changed their entire strategy before they went out of business. He pumped Starstock before they stole hundreds of thousands of people's cards uh, and took six months to ship them back. If they shipped them back at all before they went out of business. Um, the players that he has advised people to buy as investments have all just been horrifically bad decisions. The only thing he has talked about that I would say has been a break-even proposition for people was Bo Bichette, and it's and I'm a big believer in Bo Bichette, but it's not like Bo Bichette stuff has gone through the roof, even though he's a really good player. It's just the reality of this guy is in this space as a grifter, period. Mm-hmm. He does seem to draw more negative attention from people that have been in the hobby for a while. Than because he's a grifter. <sighs> I love that somebody has the idea of building like the ultimate sports card complex. You and I were kicking around this idea of what would we do if we had to sink a lot of money into this. Probably wouldn't do this first, but if we had a space like this... And part of what we were, the main part of what we were doing was the LCS, how we structure it. We both had some interesting ideas. Um, you were talking about just having like the plethora of. Make it a mall. Yeah. Make it a, a collector's mall. Turn that 15,000 square feet into 30, 500 square feet or 400 square foot individual shops like you would have in a mall and lease those spaces out to other people and create value in the common spaces so that people will want to come in to the mall be be a marketer which yeah. i will give jeff wilson this he's been a very good marketer oh for sure so you lean into what your skill set is be a marketer and create a place for people who actually know the hobby and want to be a full-time dealer to have an opportunity to do so and then market that space and drive traffic so that you can justify the rent that you charge those people. Yeah. Like that's a model that would make sense to me. Uh, to me, 
similar but a little different. I would consider like a co-working space with those studios. People could pay an annual membership. There are a lot of people with great Facebook communities that um, you know have been breaking out of their house. Now the cost is right for them by doing that. Well, they're gonna but, fly to Atlanta. Well, just shut up and listen to okay. me. I didn't interrupt your stupid idea. <laughs> uh, but, you know, for a monthly fee, it's treated like a co-working space. You could break here. You get X amount of hours in the studios. All of the top-of-line equipment, sound, the production value would be really high. Obviously, you'd have some add-ons there. You get X amount of hours guaranteed in studio. And we will make sure that every single break that you do falls within the specs for Fanatics Live or whichever platform all of the, you know, people that have built up a little bit of a community could use. There's a tremendous amount of startup costs of being able to stream um, at a level that is super professional. Correct. So maybe that would be there. They would have a space to sell out of. I agree with you on that. But I did not know it was just for people to buy a hobby box and then have a place to rip it uh, on camera. I don't know there's enough people that want everyone to watch them doing that. I, I Especially think- with how you know 75% of the time you're losing your butt on what you spent on that box. Yeah, I don't think there are enough people in the greater Atlanta metroplex to justify a 15,000 square foot card shop and I don't think people are coming from all over the country to do that. One of the things that you know you and I both listen to and and watch uh sports card radio not because we think they're the greatest watchdogs of the hobby or anything like that they're up there though they (laughs) are they tend to be pretty negative but they also tend to tell the truth yeah um and they were talking about the the difference between burbank and this cards hq burbank is i think within the hobby most people would recognize them as the if not the one of the largest dealers in the united states volume wise uh they're 12-month eBay runs 260,000 SKUs sold. Mm -hmm. So they're moving a lot of product, and they are not doing it in a – you've been to Burbank Sports Cards. Yeah. They're not doing it in a super fancy 15,000-square-foot facility with slab displays everywhere and all this type of stuff. They're doing it. By having, they call it the fishbowl, but it's a room just filled with white four rows. I would guess. Cards from 25 cents to $3. Maybe five, 600 square feet. It's not a huge. Yeah. With the shelving, it may be bigger. A a couple tables in there. Yeah. Uh, I'll say this. If I was ever back in Burbank, I would block off 12 hours to go through all of it. Oh, I would take days. It would take days. You're paying top on most. However,. If you're somebody that likes to get into, there's players that you're looking for that are hot right now, and you want to go get their prism rookies, or especially like football, that'd be a good example yeah. where week to week that can move a little bit. Uh, basketball, I'm sure it happens, although that's a little more volatile. Um, it, I remember I was big on J.K. Dobbins. I was able to get in there and find every little mosaic yeah. variation, silver, this and that. Yep. I found some old Marino stuff. in there. But, yeah, that's the model. Now, they do have showcases, and yep. their showcases – they're showcases. Right. Oh, you want to see the big boy cards? Here they are. Yeah, uh, they're not $10 no. slabs. Here's another right? little place that has all the $20. You know, the slabs uh, were, you know, the ultra-modern basketball was starting to fall off when I went there. Um, and I couldn't believe all these slabs were like 20 bucks. Well, they knew this was coming. Like, yeah. There's too many of these. Those liquid Grab this. them up. I was yeah. like, I should buy all of these. I'll make some. No. I'm yeah. glad I didn't, <laughs> didn't do that. But, yeah, their model is, is very different. Yeah. Um, but that's the way 
that you make real dollars in this hobby. You don't make consistent real dollars in this hobby the way that Cards HQ is trying to do it. This hobby has always been and will always be built on a backbone of collectors who are building sets or have a player that they chase, and it is built on a foundation of 50 cent to $5 cards. The next level up is the next level of that foundation. The very top of the pyramid is not what the hobby is built on. It might get the most exposure, those five, ten, fifteen, hundred thousand million dollar cards, but that is such a tiny, tiny, tiny sliver of the foundation of, of what this hobby is built on and about that it's almost non-consequential if you want to actually make a living in this world. You don't make a living selling fifty thousand dollar cards. You make a living selling fifty thousand one dollar cards. Okay, you know what I'm doing if I'm spending three million what? on an LCS, and I'm trying to change the experience. And this, you know, this may not be approved by everyone. Okay. What I do think he has right is he's trying Strippers. to create some communal spaces for people, <laughs> like hang out here. Um, like most LCSs, there's not a lot of places to sit around and chat. Strippers I, and blow, man. Can I talk? No. Can I talk? I don't know. Should I start singing Sh- while you're talking? Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> No, I'm not going to sing. Absolutely not. For those of you wondering, yes, I'm legitimately frustrated. (laughs) Uh, uh, Also wondering, no, he does not care that I am, Um, even a little bit. Um, I am creating a space for you to hang out with. Yes, this is a new LCS, but there is a freaking sports book in here. Okay? Let's just call this what it is. You want to buy wax? You want to gamble? I'm the spot. I'm a spot for you. So maybe we have a couple, you know, kegs on tap, or maybe it's a coffee shop, but there is a place for you to eat, to watch the game, to have a bet slip, to go get a box. You want to spend some money? That's what this place is for. You want to gamble? This yeah. is where you get. That's where. That's where I think it is heading. Sports betting and that. That's really really people, smart. <laughs> the people saying, "Oh, I wouldn't like that." Then you probably just go to your standard LCS and dig through boxes. There's nothing right. wrong with that. But if you're trying to do something different, this is really who's buying the level of wax that you would want to move. People that like to gamble, it's yeah. already there. And I would do real-time promos. It's an NBA game, and Luca's going off for – he's at 60 points going into the fourth quarter. Hey, I got your 2018 Prism. We're going to do a 10% off special on it right now if you buy before the game's over. And you got guys running in there chasing after bigger yeah. cards or, you know, whatever. Um, that would be how I would do it. Now – that's actually really smart. Is is three million dollars enough to even? Do, I don't even know. This may be something people are on a list for ten years. But if you want to actually do something where immediately, holy crap, this is something very different well, for the hobby. Do you, do you think that that's on Fanatics radar? Because if it's not, they're idiots. Well, they are. That's a really smart. And idea. maybe there's there could be so much red tape that you and I are unaware of of how those two could play together. Also, the optics, right? You know, would would it affect distribution or allocations if somebody's like, well, we're trying to target the family. We want more young collectors. Maybe there's an impact there. However, I tend to think that people are looking for it. We actually know somebody. I'm not going to drop his name, but we know somebody locally who's created a space that would actually be perfect for that. Yeah. Um, but that sportsbook thing is, I'm sure, getting more and more expensive. You're limited by a lot of factors. Fanatics has their own sports books already open, though. Yeah. And they produce sports cards it's what if fanatics like a natural marriage what if fanatics had a structure like a buyback where your credits went to the lcs for wax off of your play so like right now i yeah. go to find that fanatics live store 
get it's the very cars. symbiotic. Yeah, yeah. I, that's really really smart. I never even would have thought of that, but that's a really really smart. That approach. is a shift in what's Correct. happening. I feel like by putting eight braking studios in, it's like paying homage to the hobby three four years ago. Right. I really do. Um, especially if I'm going to a place. Um, hold on, my wife is texting me. Asking which type of tacos from the gas station I would like. Oh, but they don't have the um, they don't have the ones that we like anymore, do they? Well, what gas station are we at right the now? The gas station sheets. Oh, we're at sheets. You want the fried tacos? You want the are fried going? tacos? They should just be under tacos at the top, and then yeah. you can pick fried tacos. Okay. Uh, try. Okay, I'm texting. So you take it from here. But that's that's what I would do to actually shift that. I I think that that is a really really smart idea. Like you said, there may be red tape involved in that that makes it a little bit more difficult but i'm not sure what it would be because if i go into fanatic sportsbook here down in the arena district they've got a bar they've got food i can buy items and i'm not sure what the difference really would be could you imagine now <laughs> we don't want to be predatory lenders here right but can you imagine the margins you would have when somebody has just lost three parlays in a row, but they also just opened a card that comps at $200, and they would love to immediately trade that in for 50 bucks or 100 bucks to go play it in Listen, bet credits? I'll, I'll tell you what I would do if if that existed. I would sit there and offer. And, <laughs> yes, I would sit there and watch and be like, hey, I saw you just rip that card. I'll buy it from you, you know. I'll give yeah. you 50% right now, and you can take that and try to turn it back into your money in this get bet that you want to make. I would I would spend every Friday and Saturday evening sitting at the sports book, not gambling on anything, just watching guys rip stuff and then buying it from them. No, they'd be like, sir, you have to pay. Uh, give me one of them Donruss blasters. Yes, I'll buy a Donruss blaster for I'll open one pack every yep. 30 minutes. Yep. But like when we're talking about changing the hobby experience, like this is a mega mall, but it does. It's a mega mall that is going to cost so much to properly staff, and you're not going to make enough. Like that real estate I think in the Atlanta revenue, has to be fifty, sixty grand a month. And maybe we're stupid. Maybe the revenue is only a you know a chunk of it is from the store, but what having that store can generate through the marketing and the other opportunities because that will Maybe. be that will not hurt that well but um, here's the thing he's getting obliterated within the hobby on socials for this like it's i don't think that the market so is, good for him though it is it, you cannot tell me that that's not brilliant he that i the hate is great for him okay like overall yeah because i'll be honest i'm seeing this you and i are in atlanta 30 minutes away we're driving over to see it Probably. No, there's no probably about it. A thousand percent we're going <laughs> to yeah. go see it. And will we maybe buy a slab or something? Just say, maybe. I'm not going to wake way overpay, but I'm guessing some cool stuff's going to walk through that shop. Now, get some really interesting show pieces, some cool memorabilia that nobody else is going to Like a little bit of a collection that's, that's you know, a little bit museum-esque. Get one of those studios ripped out and put something really cool in that people would like to see. Yeah. Uh, but we've given him 40 minutes of our episodes in the last two weeks. So it's working. That's true. <laughs> it's working. Okay. Huh. Next. Okay, let's what move on got? to We got Super Bowl coming up, and we had a couple uh, championship games that, uh, honestly, uh, neither of the games went the way that I wanted them to go. Yeah, only one of the games went the way I thought it would go. And 
that was the Niners Lions game. I thought the Niners would win. The I, way that it happened, though, you were not expecting that. I was not yeah. expecting the Lions so to just be let's jump out when them. The, yeah, the Lions jump out. What was it? Twenty-one nothing. Twenty-one three. Uh, Seventeen to nothing. Seventeen nothing. And it was twenty. It was twenty to three at one point. Yeah. And in um, a four-minute period, Detroit. I mean, San Francisco scored seventeen points. Well, the se- two things were happening. One. Uh, Detroit was so freaking lights out on offense in the first half, and you're like, where's the Niners defense? And then in the second half, you're like, oh, that's right. That team is loaded with superstars. And um, Cam Newton made a statement, which has gotten a lot of press. Cam Newton's delusional. I know what he said. Yeah, he's delusional. So he said, you know, Brock Purdy is a game manager. He is not a, you know, game changer. You know, okay. But his argument was really interesting to me because I think his statement was like he's the eighth or the tenth best he's player. He's the tenth, tenth best player on the team. Well, I wouldn't go that far. But then when he started talking he's about, about the fifth or the sixth, when they start talking about all the weapons on the team, you're yeah. like, yeah. How did that lead ever get to that point? I think this has shown a lot, like the momentum that the Lions can generate, how they will capitalize on mistakes. But an interesting thing happened in this game. Um, the Lions had an opportunity with a, you know, it's not a guaranteed field goal, but I think the yards about forty-five. It's definitely something that should be should be hit. Um, it was fourth and two opportunity to make it a three-score game to put it a seventeen-point lead. Yep. Um, everyone knew what was going to happen. Dan Campbell is going to do what has led him to this moment. Yeah, where he has a chance to get in the Super Bowl. I believe there were two plays like that. There were where they were makeable field goals and. I remember I messaged you. I was like, I think that's going to come back to bite him. Yep. And your comment was like, but that's how he's he gotten is. to where he is. Yeah. Um, you have to kind of respect. If you're a Lions fan, I haven't heard a lot of hate. I haven't heard a lot of frustration no. because they're like, this is who we are. I kind of like that. I like the swag. I like the Eminem is like chiming in consistently. Yeah. With, now that's a celebrity. I actually give a crap what they have <laughs> to say about the game. Um, but maybe that has more to do with my age and potentially gender. Uh <laughs> Um, <laughs> over over Taylor Swift, but um, I am I really wanted the Lions to have it. I think they're going to get there, though. I do. Uh, I think that this team is still very young, still very fast. They have a coach that the players seem to be willing to run run through a wall for. Yep. Um, but guess what? Niners are going to be good for a long time, too. Yeah, so here's the thing about Cam Newton's comments that was so annoying to me. One, Cam Newton is just – he's reaching a point where it's a lot like Skip Bayless. He says things not because he believes them, but because he's trying to provoke a reaction. Mm -hmm. Um, Brock Purdy is probably the fifth or sixth best player on the 49ers team. But that is true for probably 75% of the quarterbacks in the NFL. Very rarely is the quarterback the best player on the team, the best football player. Look at the Rams. Is Matt Stafford the best player on that football team? Hmm, Good point. No. Aaron Donald's the best football player on that team. I would argue that after that, Cooper Cup is probably the next best football player on that team. I would even argue that Puka Nakua is the player after that. And then maybe... You get to another defensive player before we get to Matt Stafford, which is fine. And the irony is that, Cam, you were the most talented player on the team. And look what happened to the program. Yeah. Yeah. Look what happened. And then, but the comments just pouring in were like, 
You lost your job to Mac Jones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, we're talking peak. Peak Cam Newton, Mac Jones could not hold his jock to him. Correct. There, there's no there's no question. Just the athleticism, the ability to create plays. He was that. He created situations yeah. because he was such a freak athlete. Um, but I don't think Brock Purdy's going anywhere anytime soon. Listen, Brock Purdy... I don't think there is anybody in that locker room that would tell you that Brock Purdy isn't the reason they won that game. He picked that team up in the second half, put them on his back. That dude had three or four or 15 or 20-yard runs that were game-changing scenarios, third and 12, third and 14, Mm -hmm. where they're going to be forced to punt and give the ball back to the Lions. And he breaks a tackle and scrambles for 20 yards, for 15 yards, was throwing dots into contested windows in the second half, made a couple of plays while he's going down that are just – some guys are just winners. Pat McAfee had the best comment about Brock Purdy that I've heard so far as far as how he's treated in the media Mm -hmm. and by fans. This kid could walk on water and people would say he's only doing it because he can't swim. Yeah. Like, people are going to hate the guy because he was the 199 pick. He was They Mr. wanted Irrelevant. it to be Trey Lance. Yeah. And, <laughs> like, so. Hey, it wasn't. No. And, and the thing is, is if Brock Purdy had been a second round pick, you wouldn't be having these conversations. We'd be hearing about how great mm. of a pick that was and how great. But because he was Mr. Irrelevant. You know, I remember another quarterback that was in this similar situation. Yeah, his name was Tom Brady. Yeah, Tom yeah. Brady. Very similar situation. Yeah. And then all this talent came in around him, second, third year. And they're like, oh, my gosh, we, we could have a dynasty here. Well, what's crazy is is at that time, you're right, and then as Tom Brady's career progressed and he became Tom Brady, mm-hmm. people revised history and went back and went, man, he never had it. Deion Branch wasn't that good. But when it was happening, it was, oh, I mean, Deion Branch is making Tom Brady look yeah. good. He's one of the ten best receivers in the league. Like, so going into, and, and, and going into next week, uh, let's say that the Lions just kept running away and the Niners never caught up versus the Niners make the comeback they did. Which team is going to be more ready in that Super Bowl? The Niners are going to be so dialed in after that oh, second yeah. half comeback. They're going to say, yep, let's never lose grip of this game. Yeah. And I pray to the good Lord that Kansas City cannot win this game. And the reason well, for that is I just felt like they haven't belonged where they are for the last three weeks. However... They're getting the job done, and they're starting to look a little bit like Kansas City over the last few years in the playoffs. They they are, but what you just said is the facts. San Francisco is going to be playing 11 against 16 the whole game because the, the, the officials in playoff games for the Chiefs might as well have an arrowhead on their back. I've never seen a team in my entire life as a fan of football get more calls in important situations that go their way every time than the Chiefs. I have never in my life seen anything like it. Last year, they got to a Super Bowl because of one-sided officiating, and they barely beat the Bengals to do that. This year, against the Bills, there is a play in that Bills game where Josh Allen is getting stood up and gang-tackled late in the game, and the whistle blows, and three more seconds go by as Chiefs players continue to wrestle with him, and then three of them drop on top of him and drive him into the ground. No flag. Mm -hmm. If that had been Patrick Mahomes, 
87 flags would have been on the field. 0.5 seconds after the whistle blew, hmm. before he ever went to the ground. In this Baltimore Ravens game, the Ravens played poorly, and they were still in the game. They played poorly. They were still in the game. Late in that game, they're driving. Isaiah Likely gets hogtied tackled while the ball is in the air. No flag. OBJ gets shoved in the back as he's trying to catch the ball in the end zone. No flag. Later, Lamar makes a bad decision, throws into triple coverage. That was 100% Lamar making a bad choice. But still, Isaiah Likely, before the ball is five yards, with the ball still Mm -hmm. five yards away in the air, Isaiah Likely gets shoved to the ground, and a pick happens. No flag. It's mind-blowing. Multiple Um, times Patrick Mahomes scrambles and picks up first downs in that game, and dudes are having their jerseys ripped off of them being held. No flags. So I will say a caveat here. I've never, and this is not like a dig at you. No, you're fine. But I've never seen a fan base that holds grudges over calls more than the Bengals. I've never, ever, ever, ever in my life. That's fair, but I have said that about the Chiefs. I've said that about the Chiefs. And it isn't just in the games against the Bengals. They get no, you every important fair. call in the most important situations to go their way for the last it six years. It does seem to go their way. I would say this about Baltimore and on a couple of those calls. Uh, so the ball that I would argue the OB was an OBJ that was shoved going into the end zone, but yeah. it was in double coverage at least. I think that ball was drastically underthrown. And I think that if Tua had thrown that ball, you would have a different like if Tua had thrown it, it would be easier for you to acknowledge how underthrown that ball was. No, I'm, again, that goes so, back to me saying the Ravens and Lamar Jackson in general did not yeah. play well in that game. So at that game, I guess we're talking about two different things in relation to that game. You have some huge mistakes. Flowers, my gosh, like the fumble. Oh yeah, the penalty. That penalty may have was hurt huge. more than the fumble. Yeah. And then just having a couple moments, I almost feel for him because I think he is just an emotional player and he's super into the game and he wanted so badly to put the team on his back, but it almost created a situation that made it worse for him as a result of that. So Kansas City is going to run into this Super Bowl game. I do agree that between the two, but I don't know which, you know, the NFL might like. The NFL is happy right now. I guess. Two biggest storylines in football probably are there just with a star-studded team in San Francisco. Um, and then you have Kansas City up. I I don't want to see another Kansas City Super Bowl. However, I love Travis Kelsey. However, I hate hearing about his dating situation all the time. <laughs> I totally hate it. Um, there already was an awesome woman around Travis Kelsey, and that's his mom, and I think she's really freaking cool. Yeah. And um, I don't want to – I don't want to – Taylor Swift could be super nice and not trying to get attention, and I still don't want them to talk about it not stop. Right. This is this is almost as bad as when Brett Musburger kept talking about uh, Brady Quinn's sister. Yeah. Well, it, the NFL loves it because it has ratings have spiked. Chiefs games ratings are just silly because of Taylor Swift. Yeah. And I mean, good for the NFL, I guess. But at the end of the day. Um, all things being equal in that Baltimore Chiefs game, if the game had been called uh, correctly both directions, I think the Chiefs probably still win the I game. Agree. Okay, yep. but you're tired I, of seeing it. I'm tired of seeing it. Yeah. I'm tired of it being just the assumption is 
if a flag can be thrown against the other team in a situation, it's going to be, and it won't be thrown against the Chiefs. Can you think of another program where this used to happen all the time? Because I'll give you one. Give me one. I felt like this was how it was for the Steelers back in the day with Roethlisberger, Palomar. So, like, right around 2010, I felt like the Steelers got away with so much, uh, especially running late in the season. I remember Heinz Ward getting away with offensive stuff oh, yeah. all the time and smiling in the yep. camera. It drove me nuts. You had Joey Porter Oh yeah, that team, was, on dudes. that team was dirty. Yeah. James Harrison oh, was yeah. one of the baddest men you will ever see on a football field, but he was dirty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we got Super Bowl predictions. I think the Niners pull out that win, but I'm also saying, even with all the calls, KC looked a lot more like KC a couple of years ago in these playoffs than they did all season long. Yeah, I will. I will agree with that. There's, I think they're that, not going to get nervous. They're chill. They're, I think that if both teams show up and play to their potential that the Niners are better. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, and I hope that the Niners win the game, and if you if you put a gun to my head and made me put money on it, that's who I would pick to win the game. Has there been an overset already for this? Um, uh, I haven't looked. Let me see. But I think that the Niners, in all things being equal as far as officiating and everything else, that being said, as much as – Patrick Mahomes and the way that games are officiated in his favor annoys me as much as it frustrates me to see it happen. I'm also not one of those delusional people who can't admit that the kid is maybe the best ever. Hmm. Um, And much like when you would have Tom Brady go into a game where he's playing against a team that has superior talent and is better, it's really hard to bet against Tom Brady. It's really hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes, especially when yeah. you know that if it's close, the Chiefs are going to get all the breaks. And he will create opportunities that aren't there. That's true. Now, the one thing that the Niners have the ability to do that most teams don't is they've got two different linebackers that they can spy Mahomes with and still keep in coverage. Mm-hmm. Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw are both fast enough to cover hook zones and keep an eye on Mahomes at the same yeah. time. And limit him to a four-yard gain instead of a 12- or 15-yard gain when he scrambles. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if that's what they do. But, uh, yeah, it should be a fun Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, we got we got a lot to cover here. Yep. For those of you that like long episodes. I mean, we're 35 minutes in. We'll be another 20 to 30 minutes here probably. Like I said, we have a lot to cover. Uh, <laughs> let's do an update on our 5K challenge. If you did not know, Gary and I both started with $100. We are doing a challenge for the rest of this year where you will buy and then sell your way up, no trades. Um, and whoever has the highest value card at the end of the season wins. Whoever has the lower value card has to offer 25% of that card value to the winner. Correct. So uh, had a lot of movement right out of the gate. This week's been a little slower. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's let's catch people up where we are. I started out with a uh, vintage Clemente PSA 4. Correct. And um, and you started out with a Sal Stewart uh, Bowman first black. Yeah, PSA uh, 10. PSA 10. Yeah. Uh, big card for him out of the gate. He sells that. He purchases this Calvin Johnson. And why don't you give him an idea of what that is? Yeah, so uh, we talked about it a little bit. It's a uh, 2007 Upper Deck SP um, Letterman patch rookie auto. So it's the in from Johnson on his jersey the number the n itself is signed it's numbered to 75 it is an extremely rare card 
Um, I know the of 75 part already makes it rare, but in comparison to what we see in ultra modern stuff of 75, the of 75 stuff in 2007 is like you just don't mm-hmm. see it ever. Uh, I think the last known sale of one of these cards was in 2017. Mm. So that's really saying something that there wasn't a sale through the spike. Yeah, they just they're not <laughs> out there. And there I would guess that of the 75, there's probably 30 of them still sitting in sealed boxes mm-hmm. in warehouses, right? Yeah. Um the total graded population across all companies with a pop report is 6. That's not 6 for this grade. That's six total. And this is an 8.5, right? It's an 8.5. Thick it's, card, patch card. Yeah, it's the third highest graded example. There is a 9 and a 9.5 from BGS. Those are the two highest graded examples. There is There are two 8.5s. There is a 6, and then there is a PSA 6, and yep. then that is it. Um, so there are no comps on it. The closest comps that I could find were a 2007 Donruss did a Letterman type thing too, but it was a paper card, no foil. This card was beat to hell. It was numbered of 105, and it sold about a month ago for 303. And then about three weeks ago, there was a um, card from the same set from Upper Deck SP. Uh, It was just an RPA. It wasn't the Letterman patch on it, so the signature is on the card. Uh, the patch was a nice patch. It was a three-color patch, blue, gray, white, uh, numbered to three ninety-nine, uh, raw, and it looked pretty good. Uh, and it sold for four twenty. So I think that the card that I have is probably worth slightly more than that. Um, maybe not drastically more, but it is a much lower numbered card um, with an extremely low pop. Now the problem with that is that people who are buying that card are not people trying to buy it to flip it which limits your buying window like calvin johnson isn't gonna play next week and have a 400 yard game and cause the value to go up so that somebody's buying it to try to flip it quick flip it um the problem with buying a card like this in this challenge is that yes it's a great come up as far as value goes however it might take a little bit longer Mm -hmm. to sell because you're trying to find a collector yep Yep. so i also have not sold (laughs) my card um i'm trying to pull up the pop report now but it's been giving me a little bit of trouble um so i picked up that 2018 chronicles obsidian preview where is your card at uh it's in a box over there all right you keep talking i'll get you the pop it is in the very back of the box on top i believe so I pick up this uh, this Luca for one hundred and fifty dollars. Comps are anywhere between like one eighty two twenty five. Um, some like two fifty best offers taken. Um, obviously, there's going to be a good chunk of these out there. Um, I am also running into a similar scenario where it's just not moving like I want. I'm getting offers, but this is a card because people want Luca tens. Most of the people trying to buy this for me are people that are trying to resell it as well, and they just want their their twenty thirty percent margin on it, which isn't crazy. There's a pop of six fifty five for the PSA ten of this. Uh, that's that's a that's a good amount for a card that's like a preview card, right, G? Uh, it's a pop yeah, it's a decent pop count. It's not it's not anything like uh, some other of his base rookies would be, but um, so we have this interesting little discussion here. We have low pop versus high pop, and sometimes. That means you get no pop. 
Yeah, when there's not a true comp to go against, people get nervous about buying cards if they're only buying based on value. Uh, that's why when you get into stuff like this Calvin, that it's, I'm thinking this weekend I'm probably going to sell it and it should move. Jason is, uh, just working on lunch right now and those tacos are pretty crunchy, right? Yeah. It's the problem because like I asked for tacos and she brought them down. I wasn't expecting it to be halfway through the episode when it happened. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I'll put those back. I heard crunchy to crunch and I was like, Oh, taco time. Yeah. Very loud in the mic. <laughs> But uh, that's the thing. Now, your card is a little different. It, there are comps out there. It's just finding that right person that mm -hmm. wants to snag it. The hard thing right now is basketball stuff in general. For me, I find it a little bit harder to move. Mm -hmm. um, but you said over 20 bucks. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you when you're not looking at low end stuff, it is harder. Now, <laughs> the prism. Uh, rookie variations on cards that are, you know, the different cracked ice and this and disco or whatever they want. Like those still move for three to 15 bucks all day long on the, especially like Facebook sales, right? Sales. But we're both sitting on cards. I have had some offers at like 185, 190, uh, but people are, are not wanting to move over that. The problem for me was when I purchased it, the last three comps were 225, 200, 189. As the card is being shipped, Luca goes off for 73 points. And I message you and say, holy crap, Luca has gone off for 73 points. This is fantastic. He said, that's going to be great for you. Only problem is, out of the 655, there are a bunch of these floating out there already on eBay where people were more than happy to sell these for 150 to 170 Yeah. So all these get uh, scooped up off of uh, PWCC. Tons of, tons of them were off of that. Yep. And now the comps have dropped instead of going up after a 73-point game. So, Didn't you say another $200 comp just came another through? Another one came through. Uh, but a card like that that has a preview, there's different keywords. So I can go search one where 130 points is going to show me that this is a $225 card. If you leave preview out of it, and then all of a sudden it's a $160 card. So right. it's just somebody looking for that card personally. Um, so we'll, we'll, I'm sure it'll move. I'm sure it'll move this week. i got a couple ideas on what I'm going to do with that. Um, I don't know what my next play will be exactly. I'm leaning towards baseball or vintage. Um, It'll be baseball for me. Yeah, if it's something I can get where it's a hot prospect. Unless and, it's something that's just too like if I can buy a $800 card for 500 bucks, 450 bucks. Well, sure. Well, yeah. I don't care what sport it is, then I'll yeah, do that. It's already happened for you once. It could happen again. <laughs> it could happen again. Um, but yeah, that's where we are with the challenge. Actively trying to sell it. I really expected the Luca to be a no-brainer for like a um, uh, to just line it up and do like 10 spots at 20 bucks and the winner takes the card. That's really, I've really had no traction with right. that. I expected to have a few, maybe take a couple days to fill. Uh, it's not expensive enough where you're going to have to do minis to fill it. Uh, so there's just not quite the interest that I thought. I'll find a, a group of room in it. It'll eventually move. Definitely have some nibbles, but but not where I want to be. You had one that was like within, what, 75 bucks where you wanted to yeah. be? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I tried to bump it up. I'm The, the problem is that card is so cool that you like it. That's true. You actually like the card. Yeah. If I were you, so you had an offer where at 375? 350. I probably would have taken that because that's a quick leap right away on the challenge front. But you know this is a card that you haven't seen and held before, and it's going to be hard to find again. Yeah. I'm hopeful that that's the one edge that I have, is that I'm, I will not become emotionally attached to it. I'm not going to gonna lie. If I didn't think it would break the spirit of the rules of the game, I would buy it from myself and take it out of the contest. 
we'll have to consider this yeah, option. I, I don't. I, I would. I would. I would buy it from myself for four hundred bucks, four hundred twenty-five bucks, and take it out of the contest if I didn't think that would break the spirit. I think it would break it, and it, it, it also removes the edge that I have. Yeah, like which is fine. I, okay. I, that's why I haven't done that or even tried to do that because it is one of those cards that I once I sell it, I may never ever see that card again. Probably not. Yeah, I, I may never now, have this, the opportunity to own. We're that talking card again. about it as in in regards to rarity, not value. Right, hundred percent. Right? <laughs> we're not yeah, saying yeah. this is a monster value card. It's just a really cool card. Yeah, and I'm hoping that you get caught on one of those, and I can make a couple moves on some bread and butter <laughs> stuff. I do think that's my only edge is you're going to see stuff and know that it's rare that I probably wouldn't know yet. Yeah, um, just with my experience and getting into stuff that's going to be more mid to high end. But I will be okay with boring stuff that sells consistently. Um, that's going to be a little more of my strategy. So yeah. we'll see what happens here. All right, Gary, you've been waiting. I have been. Been waiting and waiting and waiting. We have the um, the season kicking off here very soon. Um, we, I have put it off as long as I can. I actually do like talking about this, contrary to popular opinion. But we <laughs> are going to uh, begin running down some prospects um, as baseball season is opening up. Uh, Gary is doing the majority of the work on this, and by that I mean he is building out a list of his top 100 yeah, the ball show top 100. Yep. Uh, down the road, there may be some opportunities for you to be able to access these resources, but for now, you just need to listen in and enjoy. Yep. So what we're going to be doing with this top 100 list is we're going to be hitting a handful of these each week. We will also have a few of these that are be going to the ball cards. Excuse me, that taco's coming back up. That ball card show TikTok. So, and Reels on Facebook. Yep. And Reels on Facebook where uh, we will break down a few of the names that you do not see highlighted in the episode. So make sure that you find us on TikTok. Is it The Ball Card Show or Ball Card Show? I'm not 100% sure. We'll, that we'll, is how old we are. Uh, yeah. But well, we will we tell you on Facebook Yeah, because <laughs> that's how old and, we are. And so long story short, you will get between our podcast episodes – um, our Facebook group and our TikTok channel, um, you will get a rundown of all top 100 prospects over the course of this. And we, yeah. sh- our goal is to have the whole process completed by opening day. Yep. Um, and we will highlight guys in the podcast, and then we will do 60 second, 90 second videos highlighting the guys that we don't hit in the podcast. So uh, we're going to start this week and we're going to work from the bottom up. So we're going to start with number 100 and work our way forward. So you ready? And these will not always be like 199, 98. Like sometimes we'll have 89, 84, 82. And hit the other ones. Which today is kind of going to be a little bit that way. Um, Let's just get this out of the way because I got so tired of it. If you're listening, I am going to mispronounce most of these names, <laughs> and Gary's going to correct me. The funny thing is, there probably is a 15 to 20% margin where he doesn't know that he's saying it right, but he's saying it with a level of confidence that I believe him. So, <laughs> however he corrects me on these names, uh, we'll, we'll go with that. But up first... Do we want to, before we dive in, just for people who aren't deep... Yes, give deep. them a rundown. I'm going to so, take another bite of the taco. Yeah, you're fine. Take another bite of the taco. So, when we talk about these guys... We are going to talk about the player, and then we're also going to give you my grades on their tools. And my grades on their tools are based on the standard scouting 20 to 80 scale, with 50 meaning they are a major league 
average in that tool. 50 is the average. Anything above 50, 55 is fringe plus, 45 is fringe average, 40 is going to be one tick below average, 30 is going to be two ticks below average, and so on and so forth. 80 is top of the scale for that tool. And some of these guys, you're going to see a dual projection. You're going to see what I think their current skill set is. And based on their underlying data and what I see in their swing or in their pitching delivery, what I think they could become. Some of these guys, if they don't have a dual, I think that that's pretty much what they are. Could they become a little better? Maybe, but I don't see a lot of projectability. Here's the thing for guys like me, and I think there's some of you listening to this that you like the idea of prospecting, but for a lot of you, somebody's in AAA and they're already being talked about. And at that point, you're kind of priced out of buying a card that you probably aren't going to plan on hanging on to for a long time unless you're just in love with a prospect, which can happen. But let's be honest, most people are investing in players. As we go through this, we're going to talk about what product you can find them in. And then I really would encourage you, if you like somebody we're talking about, most of these guys, it's pretty easy to find video of their swings uh, on YouTube or at least people kind of breaking down statistically where they've been in the last year or two. Um, if you really want to do this and you really want to jump in, now's the time to tune into these episodes and check these players out. There is a lull, but it's not going to last much longer because as pitchers start reporting, yep, we got another and week and a half gets for pitchers going, to report. Um, yep. So follow along with this. Some of these products are going to be like, oh my gosh, they were released three years ago in Bowman. Yep. I didn't realize that. And they're still cheap. Yep. Um, there's going to be names on this list that aren't on the other top 100 list. That's, that's an advantage for you, right? So... If you want to get into prospecting, you've thought about it, but it just was too much info or you're insecure about it, this is a great way because I'm going to be jumping into this as somebody who watches a lot of baseball and makes notes of what they see, but I am not a statistical wizard. Numbers bore me a little bit, but right. um, it's important. So yeah. let's jump in first off with a nickname. Okay, Baby Jordan is what everyone's calling this guy. Yep. So number 100 on the Ball Card Show top 100 list for prospects is – Lazaro Montez with the Mariners. Um, I'm gonna give Gary a minute here to uh, to jump in with some of some of the statistics and and all that kind of stuff, and then I just want to talk about what I'm seeing at the plate with him. Yeah, so I'll start off just by reading off to you and the the my blurb on Montez. It's a huge human being. Um, he's listed at six three two ten. I think that that might have been what he was measured at. Um, when he was signed, he's bigger than that now. I think he's every bit of 6'4", 230. I was going to say 230. Um, he, his raw power and bat speed is 80. Top, top of the line power. Uh, he's touched EVs of 118 miles an hour. There is a video on YouTube right now. One of his top ones. He's in a Mariners uniform. Um, some development league. You can hear yeah, five people. Yeah, it's the complex. Yep. But. They show the swing that has 118 exit velo, and he's under the ball too. Yeah, we're not, we're not catching it like no. on the line. No, he's he is a massive human being with huge, huge, huge power potential. I've got him graded raw power 70, 80, uh, 70 current, 80 future, um, and his game power he gets to it. Uh, he's got a good enough hit tool that he gets to it. I've got him graded as a 60 with a 70 future game power. Um, my issue with him right now is what you see, with, especially with a lot of tall, big guys. Um, he really gets too much into his pull side. He wants to pull everything. 
and that leads to some rollover. It leads to some pop-outs that could be away liners um, if he wasn't trying to pull it so much. Um, but the swing is pretty simple. There's not a lot of moving parts to it, uh, which is really important for a tall guy because tall guys with moving parts usually have a hole in their swing, and it's usually near their hands. So you get them inside with heat, they struggle. Um, his hands are quick. The swing is pretty simple. Uh, and the thing that's crazy about him is you know, he's 19 years old, and he has gotten better as he's gone up in ranks. Uh, I think he'll start the year in high A. Uh, I think it's a very, very easy world to see him ending the year in AAA. I think at the very worst case, he ends the year in AA. Uh, he is in 2023 Bowman baseball, first Bowman yeah, release. So a couple of things quickly I'd highlight on this swing. He's a big, tall guy. He does not spread himself out on the swing, and he doesn't. He does have a long swing. Um, as power hitters, you kind of see that a lot, Scooping, because they're a tall guy. However, he does not move his body to the ball. Right. He stands tall, and he keeps his power in. One unique thing, and I don't know if the reason for the rollover and the pull thing is something that is an overcorrection, but if you watch his swing, his back leg, his foot and knee are tracked in. So he's a left-handed hitter. Um, you'll see that his left leg, his back leg, the knee is angled towards second base rather than square. You see a lot of hitters open up their stance on their front foot. You think of like Andres Galarraga, yeah. some of those big power hitters. Yep. The reason for that is they had a long, powerful swing, but they were slow to seeing and getting their body almost like a their torso twisted in position. They would be behind the ball. So with him tracking that back leg in, it's almost like he's trying to make up for time to make sure that he gets his butt through the swing. The only thing I noted on mine is his swing can have a tendency to have a little bit of lag in it when that rollover that you're talking about, right. you're seeing the swing happen like uh, somebody's doing the worm almost standing up. Yeah. Arms, hips, and all that. So I think that back leg is designed to get him through the zone quicker. However, it can also allow him to over-anticipate yeah. Yep. And to roll through and foul off his ankle a lot. He needs yep. to get one of those braces on <laughs> if he doesn't have it yet. But he's going to hit the ball really far. I love investing in prospects that I know are going to put up a lot of jacks in the first couple of years. Yeah. Because it feels a little more low risk to me. Well, they're um, going to get hype. Exactly. So long term, we don't know. This could be somebody that somebody figures out a down and away breaking ball and he is a keynote. To, you never well, that's know. My, to me, that's he's got two outcomes. He's either going to be some version of Jordan or he's going to be a Kino. I don't think there is a world where he is just a league average hitter. I don't I don't think that world exists. All right. Ready to move on? That's fine. <laughs> I'm going to do my best here. All right. Number 99. You have a pitcher with the Pirates. Jun Seok Shim. Close. Okay. Jun Seok Shim. I just added a. You just added a little I went extra. And churched yeah. it up like Joe Dierte. Yeah, <laughs> uh, pitcher with the Pirates. Um, I'll jump in just on what I saw, and I'll let you kind of run through yep. your thing here. Um, first off, this guy's delivery is a little bit unique because a lot of what you see with modern pitchers is the ball was almost hidden until the release point, and it was something that a lot of people talked about valuing because you're invisible yeah you're yeah. hiding the ball giving pitchers less time to get a read on it it makes a 93 mile an hour fastball play like a 96 mile yeah an hour so fastball. so for shim it's weird because his release is exposed up high i remember when i was playing baseball i loved it 
when I could see off the re- release, you can see the grip. Yep. I remember some of the hitting drills, they would have numbers written on the ball, colors. Like you, you could pick up a lot if you're dialed in. The problem is this. That ball off the release can look like one thing, but the spin rate, and you'll talk about it more in a second, is so insane that he catches a lot of people uh, out in front and they really expose it. He embarrasses a lot of batters. They yeah. get them to anticipate. They really see this fastball coming. But the spin rate, even on the fastball, it's got so much inside movement, cut movement, or like a two-seam movement that they kind of get lost halfway through that pitch. They're like, oh, it looked so obvious where it was heading, but it wasn't. Now, I think he leans a little heavy on the off-speed. It is filthy when it drops, um, but... I- there's got to be control with that, and I wonder if it gimmicky is not the right word, but is this something that batters are just going to figure out? I don't know. I really like what I'm seeing so far, and uh, he opted to just come straight into the league at, at a young age. So Yeah, he never played in the KBO, uh, which the KBO is turning into a pretty fertile feeding ground for the major leagues. He just entered the major league draft, uh, avoided the KBO draft, and he would have been a top three pick in the KBO draft. He might have been number one overall. Um, he's 19. He's, he hurt his ankle last year, so he only made four starts. Uh, but those four starts were pretty staggering. Um, in those four starts, he had a .75 whip. Anything under one is elite. When you're 25% better than an elite number, that's saying something. I don't care what level you're at. Um, I think he starts the year in low A. He could get to double A by late summer. Uh, his curveball clumps in at 3,200 RPMs. Now, is he was he drafted by the Pirates? He was traded, wasn't he? No, he was drafted. Was he? Okay. Yeah. Um, 3,200 RPMs on that curveball. Like Jason said, when he is slotting that curveball, it's nasty. Uh, and it tunnels right off of the slider, which is what's crazy. The slider and the curveball have very similar shapes for the first three quarters of the delivery to the plate, Mm -hmm. but one's eight mile an hour faster than the other one, and the curveball falls off of a plate, and the slider just darts away on a two-plane break. I have a Reds pitcher that that reminds me of that. Their capacity was there. the, The mechanics were different. There's a lot of things that were different. But Bronson Arroyo had a curveball that could do that as well. That yeah, left people, and, and that's. But the thing that Arroyo didn't have was a potential plus plus fastball to right. go with it. <laughs> so this kid has a. Right now, I think he has a plus fastball. I think it could become a plus plus fastball, and not because of power. He's not throwing ninety eight, ninety nine, one hundred mile an hour. He sits ninety three to ninety five, but it has high spin rate. The IVB, IVB is induced vertical break. And induced vertical break means does the fastball rise in the zone from delivery? Is there enough spin on the ball the air forces it upwards? Um, his does. He's so got, he's left with the decision then, really. Does he want to trade off some movement for some velocity? Probably is what he's going to have to yeah, figure and, out. Yeah, and if I'm, if I'm the Pirates, I don't want that. I would much, yeah. I would much yeah. rather you be able to go seven innings than five. 
I'd much rather you throw 93 to 95 with good IVB that messes with guys, especially because he can tunnel that pretty well. And the changeup currently is average to maybe fringe plus. I've got it ranked as average as a 50. So just numbers wise, he's got a 60 fastball, 55 curveball, 50 slider, 50 changeup, 50 command. Um, I think the command is something that could potentially grow into fringe plus. I don't think he ever becomes plus command wise. Uh, but this is a kid who has a real chance to make mincemeat of the minors and be up in 2025 as a 21-year-old. He's fun to watch. Yeah. Like, he's a fun pitcher to watch, which, honestly, a lot of minor league pitching for me isn't that fun to watch. Because no. the levels, when it differentiates going through 2A and making your way to 3, there's a huge difference oh, there yeah. in pitching. So, uh, But, yeah, 23 Bowman Chrome. Um, I, Still pretty cheap. That's I, I he's bought, cheap. Yeah. I bought four or five autos in the last week for 10 to 12 oh, bucks nice. a piece. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just as a reminder, sourcing this stuff. So if you're wanting to do this, Facebook is a great place to ask for players. Um, there are groups dedicated to baseball. Bowman. I would probably do a multi-sport group saying, hey, I'm buying Bowman. Here's the players. If you go into a Bowman group, guys are looking a lot of times at the premium or top end of comps there because this yep. is their specialty. But for people that just rip, they're only chasing a handful of the top 10 guys. You could probably get some nice lots of these players for really cheap, low risk. If you don't want to buy an auto, that's okay too. But uh, I would recommend if you're really invest at least with pitchers. With pitchers, I would buy. It autos. needs me a little more SP. Get something at least numbered. I was going to say at least a refractor. Yeah. You don't really need to stack up ten Bowman Chrome first because they're going to go from two dollars to four. You know, it's not going right. to be that exciting. Um. All right. Up next. You have more to say on this guy than I do. By the way, those of you hearing me eat that food, I hope you're hungry. Uh, <laughs> Ricardo Cabrera with the Reds. Um, quick synopsis, and then you jump into a more yep. lengthy one. Here's what I like about him. He's going to get on base, and he seems to show tremendous plate discipline. Um, and he's only 19 years old, and he's in single A. Those are the three points that I have on this guy. Other than that, I didn't have a whole lot to say. I did watch a little bit, but wasn't as excited, so I want you to kind of talk me into, you know, why this guy is in the top 100 for you. Okay, so those are good reasons. But in the in the 2022 IFA signing period, Cabrera was the number three ranked prospect uh, in in the entire IFA world in 2022. Um, the Reds paid one of their bigger payouts to to sign an IFA kid I think they gave him 2.7 million and then and and in the 2022 Bowman Chrome release which is what he's in he was kind of a chase and then he debuted in the DSL as a 18 year old and it wasn't good it wasn't horrific but it is not what you would have expected to see from the number three ranked prospect um, with the tool set that he had and so all the shine came off and you could buy his stuff for pennies. And then 2023, instead of saying, hey, that was bad, let's repeat the DSL, the Reds said, screw it, we like the tools. They brought him over to the Complex League, and he just raked. Uh, and then they jumped him to low A. Those of you playing the drink-counting game, uh, it's one shot or drink for every time Gary says raked. Through okay. these segments. And uh, he he went to the complex and tore it up. And then they promoted him to low A, and he continued to just tear the cover off the ball. And that was in Daytona. There are several 
leagues in the minors in different areas of the country. The PCL, the Pacific Coast League, is known to inflate numbers. Uh, you're playing out west, Arizona, the air's drier, the ball flies. In Florida, the air is humid. It is hard to hit the ball a long ways. And he just tore the cover off the ball in Daytona. This is a prospect that has legitimate 2020 speed power projection at the major league level. The only question right now for him with the Reds organization is where he fits into the system. Uh, they've got the most infield depth. Them and the Orioles have the most infield depth of any minor league system in, in baseball. I think he gets traded, do you? See, I I think there's a couple guys that, that could get traded ahead of him, but I think there's a chance. That being said, uh, he's a guy who I think this year starts the year in low A, but is in high A really fast. I think he's in Dayton within a month, month mm -hmm. and a half. And if the guys in front of him, if Arroyo gets moved up to triple A, he could end up in double A by the end of the year as a 19 year old. The tools are really strong. Uh, there you go. Um, the tools are really strong. The hit tool is, is currently average to, to plus to fringe plus. I think it could become plus the power, uh, Raw power is, is pretty major league average, so plan on 20 to 25 home runs. Uh, right now, he doesn't get quite into the game because he tends to hit the ball on the ground a little bit, but he's a fringe-plus runner. He's got a fringe-plus arm. He doesn't have great range in the field, but his arm's good enough to make up for that to an extent. He can uh, he can stretch out a play, too. I saw that yeah. happen. You know, he's, he seems to be an intelligent base runner. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think that overall, um, if I had to – put a long-term projection on him i think worst case scenario for him is he is a utility infielder but i think that the tool set is there if he continues to progress to be an everyday probably second baseman i don't know that he holds it short um but i think that he eventually becomes an everyday second baseman somewhere and the ceiling is you know an all-star appearance every third or fourth year all right um, up next, probably my favorite film to watch. Yep. Uh, so far. So this is our 97th pick. Jorbit Vivas with the Yankees. Now he was drafted with, he was an IFA for the Dodgers. Yes. Yep. So, um, I'll jump in on what I love with his swing. He can change elevations for the pitch. He is so locked in on pitch recognition he seems to know exactly what angle he'll need to be at for each swing. It's almost like he can do a full squat to get in position so that he is he has a, a perfect moment of impact where his body's turned, his hips are getting through. Um, I was trying to think of an analogy for this, and the best I could come up with is when you watch tennis, okay, half of the time these guys are sprinting to just get in position to hit the ball. But professional tennis players know exactly where they need to be ahead of time. And you will see whether that pitch is coming in across the letters or below the waist. Uh, Viva seems to get in position to explode uh, on the ball. It is really special to watch with his swing. A lot of hitters that are in the bigs, Cannot swing the way that he swings. He remind his swing reminds me if you put and this is high praise and I'm not saying he's going to be these guys. Okay, one of the things you got to understand when we're talking about prospects 
is when we make comparisons to things, it's not us saying they're going to be this guy. It's just things we see that remind us of it. To me, he looks like, swing-wise, somebody took Tony Gwynn and Vlad Sr. and put them in a blender. Like, that's the ability to hit stuff that most people shouldn't be able to get the barrel of a bat onto, like Vlad Sr., and the ability to hit the ball wherever he wants to, like Tony Gwynn. Yeah. 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 Not not saying Jorbert Beavis is going to be either one of those guys because I don't think he has the power of Vlad Sr. I don't think he has the pure hit tool of Tony Gwynn, who may have been the best pure hitter of the last 50 years. But his ability to get to stuff in good position, like you were talking about, that most humans can't get to, reminds me of those two guys. If you, This is a name them. that I'm going to be looking to buy. Yeah. Um, of the ones that we've gone through. I'm guessing he's a little more pricey than the last couple we talked he's about. He's actually not. Yeah. Uh, and so, there's a reason that the Yankees targeted him in yeah. that deal. And mm-hmm. not at East Leonard or not Michael Bush. There's uh, a reason. What did you already tell him? 22? No, he's in 22 Bowman, Bowman baseball. Um, the, the hit tool is insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really is. Um, he The biggest thing with him, though, and I think you would agree with this looking at it, and I mentioned it in the write-up, he hits the ball pretty hard. His EVs are average to fringe plus, but his swing is not geared for lift. He's not a guy that's going to turn that into 20 to 25 home runs. He is a guy that's going to turn it into 50 to 60 doubles. Well, that's, yes, his ability to be in position means that that outside pitch is never a pull hit for him. It is get in position, put this in the gap. I think he picks up a lot of two bags. No, that's what I'm saying. Uh, He's going to hit a ton of doubles. Yeah. Uh, and and be if Yankee Stadium, if he stays with the Yankees, it's going to help him hit 15 to 18 home runs. But his swing, he's not trying to hit the ball out of the park. Mm-hmm. He's not trying to hit the ball in the air. Pitchers he, are not going to like this guy. No, he's and he's a guy who will he'll ruin pitchers because he'll he'll oh, he'll, he'll send have, him 15 pitches. Yeah, I was gonna say he'll 15, 16 yep. pitches, yep. which you know that loses an inning for a starting yep. pitcher in, in today's game. You know who else can do that? Matt McClain. Yep. Like there's <laughs> that might not be a bad parallel with bat. He doesn't have the power McLean has, um, and I think. Well, let me rephrase. He he has the same EVs, but yeah. his he's not. Matt McLean wants to hit the ball in the air. Jorbert Vivas just wants to hit the ball. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like he's not worrying about whether it's in the air or not. If you give him a pitch that he can pull, and Vivas is going to be five steps out of the box before. Yeah, most and he, of these and pull he, hitters, he yeah. don't get me wrong. If you give him a pitch on the inner half that he sees early, he can hit at one ten. Right, like he'll clear the fence. Yeah. Oh yeah, but he's not. That's not what he's looking to do. He doesn't care where you throw the ball. Now he is a little bit of a free swinger, but it's because he can get to stuff. The barrel rates don't show with. Um, base running instincts are really good. He doesn't. He's not crazy fast, but he is not afraid to take what's there. Um, and I think twenty to thirty bags on a regular basis is. Very, very, very foreseeable. Yeah, I, I'm big on him. I'll probably keep an eye out. I might even put some posts up to grab some of his stuff. I think it'll I've be got fun a few watch. nice ones. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, what's funny is Gary will have half of these guys already in his display case, and until he forces me to go through these lists, I'm not <laughs> interested. And then there's like a three month period where I'm just always trying to get stuff out of his case, right? So, um, okay. Now we're gonna skip a few names, right? Yes. Last one that we're gonna cover, and these other names we'll hit up in the, the different social platforms. So, uh, Justin Foscue. Yeah. Okay. 
So with the Rangers, uh, I had a, a, a small note, but visually it was really interesting. Uh, do you remember the old home run derby? The old ESPN Classic would show it. Oh, yeah, uh, old, back in the day. Yeah, yeah back yeah. in the day. When you watch the old-timey baseball and football, everything seemed to be kind of in slow motion. And then the other thing that I remember is a lot of the older hitters, when they followed through, the bat would kind of be like up in the air, not across the body on the follow-through. Yeah. He has an old-timey swing. <laughs> um, the other note I made was, uh, it was it's, a, it's a quote that everybody uses, but out of the military, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. It almost looks like he's decelerating. You're not going to see him overswing on a pitch. The contact is smooth, pure, and he goes wherever that pitch is. He does not care how it looks. If the ball is outside, he he's going to put it on the foul line opposite yeah. field. Um, that is really exciting to me that he ha- seems to have the ability to – it's it's not a violent swing, which is uncommon with young players players now i feel like the swings are so aggressive exit velo being emphasized all this so um i really liked what i saw with his swing go watch a video of him hitting if you haven't seen it yet because it is pretty interesting little effort contact is the emphasis there seems to get the barrel on it yep um he's gonna put the ball in play a ton based off of what i'm seeing he's our number 93 ranked prospect um uh, Tool-wise, here's my grades on him. He's a 70 hit, 40 current power, 50 future power, 40 run, 45 arm, 45 field. The bat is going to carry the day. He's going to be a slightly below average defensive player. and Maybe he could become league average. I never thought I'd see the day where Rafi Devers became somewhat close to league average and he pulled it off. Mm-hmm. So I, I won't count Justin Foscue out, but he is 24 years old. Uh, the yeah. note, one of the notes I have in in his write up is he's reaching the age where prospect status begins to become prospect fatigue. We've been talking about Justin Foscue since 2020 when he was drafted. Um, he's limited to second base. He's going to be a second baseman. Um, and from a prospect status standpoint, if he doesn't make it to the majors this year, he may just not have any hobby relevance, to, no matter how good he becomes. Um, they have a little bit of a dilemma there because where do you put him? But the bat's going to be really hard to keep out of their lineup, um, it, at least as the short side of a, plat- of a platoon. Um, he walks more than he strikes out. Uh, he lifts the ball well when he's given that opportunity. But the biggest thing is 91% zone contact. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not sure what that means, it means when a pitch is over the plate and in the strike zone, nine out of ten times he's going to make barrel contact with the ball. Is it going to be in play? Maybe not, but he's going to put the bat on the baseball. And the other thing I don't like about it, about him, and I think that big league pitchers are going to be able to take advantage of it if he doesn't tame it down. He's got a really big leg kick. Like he really yeah. picks that front knee up and he's not like stretching out with it, mm. but he's bringing it up high. Big league pitchers, the really good ones, I think are going to be able to Run take that advantage of that. He, he's got a pretty open stance, too, so it's just like, uh, fix that. But the hit tool is is plus plus. It's mm-hmm. a true 70-grade hit tool, and that's not going to change. Uh, he's in 2020 Bowman draft, uh, so his cards have been out for a while, and they're not expensive. No. That wasn't terrible, Gary. I, I'll admit it. Yeah, it's kind of fun, isn't it? we got a few more weeks of this. Yeah, up until uh, spring training. Yeah. It's over. Opening yeah. day. we got... 
Yeah, no, uh, good stuff in there. Again, follow us. If you're not, a c- couple things I'm going to ask for, because I feel like we've been around a few years, so now we get to ask. If you haven't yet, you know, we've been we've been creating content. This is our third year doing this, right? Yep. Um, and sure is. If you have enjoyed this at all, we would really appreciate you leaving a review on uh, either, you know, Apple uh, Podcasts or on Spotify. It actually does boost us. It does give us the opportunity for more people to hear our content um, and for people to realize that this is a pretty fun place to, uh, you know, to hang out and listen and, and gain a little bit off of the hobby. If you haven't done that, do it. Then the Facebook group is active. We try to be really responsive. If there's a comment, question, anything we can do to help. Um, and uh, we'd encourage you to check that out. We will be putting a lot of video content on TikTok. You'll even see some of that starting this week. Uh, if you're not on TikTok, we will make sure to share some of those over to Facebook Reels for you as well. Um, but we're really trying to expand and just let people know uh, that we're here and uh, we we have content for them and we're enjoyable. If you like to listen to things that you enjoy to have... <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, uh, check us out on there. This has been the Ball Car Show, the sports podcast. For the sports collector. Bye now. Peace.